This is Movies for the Blind, Episode 191, Behind Office Doors, Part 3 of 3. The funny part about it is that I'm priced at exactly $8 less than one of the most obvious young women I've ever met. Hello and welcome to Movies for the Blind, where you can enjoy films without looking at a screen. I'm Valerie Hunter. Sorry for the unexpected week off, but we're back with the conclusion of Behind Office Doors and the real-life saga of star Mary Astor. Now, let's see. Where we left off in real life, Astor had survived a nasty divorce case and infidelity scandal. She went on to star in hits like The Prisoner of Zenda, The Palm Beach Story, and, of course, played the sneaky Bridget in The Maltese Falcon. She also won a Best Supporting Actress Oscar in 1941 for The Great Lie, playing opposite Betty Davis and even helping her punch up the script. Her writing wouldn't stop there. Following the death of her embattled parents and some typecasting into mother roles for years, Astor's alcoholism became too apparent to ignore anymore. As part of treatment, she was encouraged to write, as she did with her notorious diary, and it culminated in My Story, one of the first-ever best-selling tell-all celebrity memoirs. She even went on to write several novels, but it's unlikely any of them could be as compelling as her own life. Now back to Astor's character here, Mary, the secretary almost too capable for her own good. She's molded a crass salesman she loves into the president of the company, but has just learned he's getting engaged to the daughter of the company's banker. What will she do now? Here's the answer in the conclusion of Behind Office Doors. Later, her apartment door opens, and she steps inside, looking around blankly. She closes the door. Across the room... Dolores is on the sofa. Hello, Mary. That lunch buddy stood me up, so I came over here. Mary puts down a briefcase. Ain't men the swine, though. Mary turns to her. What's the matter? She turns away and steps to the bedroom, where she switches on a light, puts her gloves on a drawer, and pulls off her cloche hat. What are you crying for? Taking off her coat, she glances at Dolores in the doorway. Society girl wins big paper man. She opens the closet. What? And puts the coat in there. Robinson's hooked Jim. Well, cut my throat. Mary leans against the door. Wait a minute. Dolores goes to the drawer and opens it. As Mary runs her fingers through her short hair and rolls onto the bed... Dolores approaches with a full shot glass. Here, Mary. Take a drink of this. She sits up. And Dolores sits beside her. Mary gets a glass of water from the bedside table and accepts the shot. Time for the features. A toast to the bride. Long may she wave. She drinks the shot and follows with the water. Setting the glasses aside, she chuckles ruefully, then starts crying and holds her head in her hands. 
<laughs> Dolores holds her shoulder. Gee, I, I try to help you, Mary, but I guess it's better to get it out of your system. Mary sits up. If it, if it hadn't been for me. I know. I know. Oh, don't let anybody in. I don't care who it is. Dolores stands and heads for the door. As Mary flops onto the bed, Dolores cracks open the door. She lets in Ronnie and motions for him to be careful. Setting down his hat and coat, he steps to the doorway, then moves on to the bed and sits carefully as Dolores watches. He puts a hand on Mary's shoulder, getting her to sit up again. What's the matter, Mary? Oh, nothing. He holds her hand. Come on now, tell Ronnie everything. All right. I'll tell you. I haven't got any pride left. The engagement is announced of Miss Ellen Robinson to Mr. James Dunneen. I'm sort of licked, Ronnie. He takes her arm as she leans against him. I've made him look like a gentleman. I've taught him to speak the King's English. I've shared his troubles and worries. I've lifted him above the president. I've stood between him and a dozen cheap designing women. He releases her when she can sit on her own. But when it comes to a girl with beauty and money and a glamour of position, I can't do a thing. She stands and walks around the bed. A girl of his own class. The class I gave him. Ronnie follows. Now, Mary, take it easy. It isn't that bad. He holds her. All right, let's have a drink. They go to the drawer. Please don't, Mary. That isn't going to help you. He tries to get her to look into his eyes. And she does. Well, Ronnie, the next time, the next time, do you get me? She steps to the bed with a sad smirk. We won't talk about that now. She sits. Oh, so you're going to spurn me too, are you? And lies back. <laughs> After a while, we'll talk about that. Later, Mary is at work answering the phone. Yes. Oh, send her in. Hanging up. She activates the intercom. Miss Ellen Robinson to see you. Yes, I will. She girds herself and sits at her desk. She stands again when Ellen arrives. I'm Ellen Robinson. Yes, I know. They shake hands. You came to see Mr. Dunning? No, you. Oh, won't you sit down? She gets Ellen a chair. Thank you. And they both sit. Miss Linden. When I first decided I wanted to marry Jim Deneen, 
My father and I naturally talked it over. I'm sure your father approved. My father has known you for a long time. Only in a business way. So that's how I happen to know you're in love with Jim Deneen. That's not true. She turns away. That proves it. Could I work alongside of Jim Deneen for years without falling in love with him? Certainly not. Get to the point. Your admission that you're in love with him hardly qualifies you from a fiancé's viewpoint for further employment. Mary stands. You want me to quit? So does Ellen. At once. And if I refuse? I should tell him you're desperately in love with him and that it would be charitable to ask you to leave. You wouldn't do that. Oh, wouldn't I? Turning away, Ellen crosses the room to Jim's office door and goes inside. Daisy enters from the outside office and goes to a file drawer. When Greek meets Greek... Daisy watches Mary go to Jim's office. What do you mean, calling me a Greek? Mary walks in and closes the door. Jim and Ellen are kissing. Pardon my intrusion. They turn to her. Well, what do you want? And she approaches him. Mr. Dunneen, I think I've been here long enough. Why, Mary, what are you talking about? I've got a better job. Shorter hours, more money. Now, Mary, don't do anything foolish. We'll talk this over later. There's nothing to talk over. I've had it in mind for some time. And it was just settled today. I'm leaving immediately. It won't inconvenience you any. Remember, you still have Daisy. Goodbye. She leaves. Mary! Jim! Ellen stops him from following. In her office, Mary takes something down from a shelf and slams it on her desk. Daisy turns from a book to Mary flopping her briefcase down and cleaning out drawers. She stands and approaches. What are you doing? Gonna quit? Get out of here. I want to be alone. Daisy steps away as Mary stuffs her case with things. Dolores enters. What's this Presby tells me? You quit? Mary puts on her coat and hat. You know what I've done for Jim Deneen, don't you? Sure, but Mary... And you know that because I've loved him, I've played straight as a string. But you've known for some time that he was... And you know to... that I've met a dozen men. Nice men. That wanted me. And what did I tell them? Like a fool, I'd say to them, No, 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 you can't have Mary Linden. She's a good girl. And what did I say to myself? Like a fool, I said, Mary, you just keep yourself a nice, fine little girl. And one of these days, Jim Deneen will realize how good and worthy you are. Baloney! But I thought that was all over. Last night, Ronnie told me, yes, there's Ronnie. And I like Ronnie. And we've had a lot of good times together. But when Ronnie offers me everything in the world a girl could wish for, what do I do? I turn him down like the nice, fat-headed, virtuous little moron that I am. Well, that's all over, my fine girl. Mary, quiet. Somebody will hear you. Let them hear me. She heads out. Where are you going? I'm going to Atlantic City. She leaves. Later, the buildings of Atlantic City tower over the bustling beaches and famous boardwalk. In a hotel, an elevator reaches a hall and opens. Mary and Ronnie step out in evening clothes and go to a door, which Ronnie unlocks. Mary goes inside, but Ronnie stays in the hall, smiling with her. He holds up her hand. 
and kisses it. I'll see you later. She turns away, and the door is closed as he heads for the next room. He unlocks that, and he goes inside. In her room, Mary puts her things on a bed and steps to a mirror, checking her white dress. She takes off her wrap and goes into a closet, then comes back out with a silky robe, which she lays on the other bed. Bending down to her suitcase, she takes out a box, then gets a letter opener to open it. She takes off straps from the box and opens it. From under tissue, she takes out a lacy nightgown and holds it up to herself. She gathers the box and moves it to the first bed, then lays the nightgown with the robe. As she walks back to the closet, she pulls the gown she wears up over herself. In Ronnie's room, he searches the pockets of the robe he wears. In her room, Mary arranges her hair, then admires herself in the robe and new nightgown. Sitting down, she takes off her shoes and puts on satin ones with slight heels. She gets up, then bends to get something from the floor. Untying some string, she stares at it in her hand. It's a price tag for $14. She closes her hand around it and considers. She smirks down at it and glances sidelong toward her closet. Facing forward, she makes a decision and walks past the beds to another door. She opens it and steps into an adjoining parlor, then goes to another door. She steps away, and Ronnie enters in his robe, shirt, tie, and trousers. He approaches her from behind. When he caresses her shoulders, she turns to him. I can't make the grade, Ronnie. The smoke of his cigarette wafts between them. Aren't you just asking for a lot of trouble and unhappiness? Can't you put him out of your mind? He's out of my life. I'm reconciled to that. Let's see this. She holds up the tag. Price tag off my nightgown. I found one of these on the floor of Jim's bedroom once. I knew the girl, and I despised her for being cheap and trivial. I just don't want to be that cheap myself. The funny part about it is that I'm priced at exactly $8 less than one of the most obvious young women I've ever met. She chuckles. He smiles and takes her hand. Mary, dear, if my wife didn't have all the money in the family, I swear I'd get a divorce and marry you. He takes her shoulders, but she gently pushes him away. I didn't ask you to buy my violets. She goes back to her room. At the office. No. Daisy's on the phone. No. 
Well, now, Miss Robinson, the Chicago train arrived a half hour ago, and I'm sure he'll come direct to the office. I'll tell him. She hangs up as Jim strides through the main office toward her desk. Did you have a nice trip? Horrible. He walks into his office. Daisy follows with some papers as Jim puts down his briefcase and satchel, then takes off his hat. She goes to help with his coat. Well, well, I can still take off my own coat. He does. Well, the last 14 nights I spent nine of them in Poland. They sit. Well, how are things running? Oh, everything's perfect. That, uh, did it all to go out? I wired in Saturday? Oh, well, no. Well, why wasn't it shipped? Oh, it wasn't marked rush. The other orders I wired in, have they been sent? No, I thought I'd better hold them till you got back. Go out and get all that stuff and get it off right away. Oh, well, I can't. You can't? Why not? Well, I put them all in a folder and took them up to your house. Telephone my house and have Mark and my valet bring the folder down here right away. Well, I'm afraid they got lost last night in the confusion. Confusion? What confusion? In the fire. The fire? Well, what fire? Well, the fire in your library. He stands and grabs her shoulders. Fire in my library? And in your bedroom, too. But uh, some of your clothes can be salvaged. He releases her. So what are you talking about? Well, uh, Martin thinks he can fix some of your clothes as soon as he gets out of the hospital. Hospital? Oh. He paces. Then bends down to her. How did this fire start? Well, the firemen were very nasty. They said it started from my cigarette. Your cigarette? What were you doing smoking in my house? Well, I just sat down to smoke a cigarette. She stands. And don't you believe it, Jim. I didn't fall asleep. I was just thinking with my eyes closed. He paces some more. Are you sure you've told me everything? Think carefully now. Has the firm been in a bankruptcy? Or is my fiancé dead? Oh, no, Miss Robinson's not dead. She's been calling you for the last week, wondering why she hasn't heard from you. Get her on the phone. He sits again. And she heads for the doorway. But meets Ellen coming in. Now, isn't that a coincidence? Speak of the devil and here she is. Jim looks up from rooting through his briefcase and stands. Get out. Ellen walks in and Daisy leaves, closing the door. Hello, darling. What's the matter? You look a bit wild-eyed. Nothing, nothing at all, dear. You must have been busy. He sits. I had no letters from you. Only three little telegrams. She sits. And not a word for the past five days. Look, Ellen, for the past 14 days, I've been leaping in and out of Pullman's and living in lumber camps, and I simply didn't have the time. Well, I'm glad you don't have to travel often. I don't fancy myself as a neglected wife. I've got to do a lot of traveling. The paper business is in a critical state. Newspapers are buying up their own mills. Syndicates are being formed. For the next year, I'm going to be a leaping tuner all over these United States. But you don't have to do all the dirty work. But I do. No one else can do it as well. I'm not blowing my own horn. It's simply the truth. And we might as well face it. It's much better to face things in advance. She stands. Isn't it? Yes, dear. He stands. Now, Ellen, dear, please run along. I'm up to my neck in trouble. He steps past her. Why I ever let Mary Linden get away from me, I... I'll have my head examined, that's all. If I could find her now, I'd give her half the company to come back. Ellen steps up behind him. 
I think not. He turns. Huh? Do you think I want a woman around here who's madly in love with you? Madly? In love with me? Rot. You did a lot of night work together, you two. See, listen, darling, you're a little mad. I'm no saint. I have my moments. But Mary Linden simply isn't that, that kind of a girl, that's all. Daisy enters. Jim! He sits. There's a cop out here and he wants to arrest me. A man steps in. The arson squad wants her at headquarters for a statement about the connection between her cigarette and the fire in your home last night. I have no uh, suspicions of you, Daisy. Run along. You see, nobody has any suspicion of me. Come on. Daisy takes him out, closing the door, which Ellen stares at. Oh, no. Nobody has any suspicions of you. Jim shifts uncomfortably, and Ellen turns to him. I'm disgusted and humiliated. All the time it's been that cheap little cop, and I thought it was Mary Linden. He turns to her, then gets up and walks to her. Did you do anything to get Mary Linden to leave here? Certainly. But how dare you interfere in my business affairs? Business? That's good. A woman like Mary Linden. With Mary Linden the woman, you may have had a feminine right to be involved. But with Mary Linden, my private secretary, you had absolutely no right to interfere. I believe you're in love with her. Listen, I'd fall madly in love with any woman who displayed the least bit of common sense. And now, Alan, forgive me if I'm rude, but I'm terribly busy. Too busy, I'm afraid. Well, suppose we let it go with that. When he sits, she opens the door and leaves. He grabs the phone. Get me Mary Linden's apartment on the wire. At the switchboard. Why, Mr. Deneen, Mary Linden has moved. Dolores watches Ellen stride out of the office. I'm sorry, I haven't the slightest idea where to reach her. She smirks. Later, Mary dozes in her messy bedroom. She wakes and sits up. Throwing the covers aside, she gets her feet on the floor, stands and staggers in her pajamas. She yawns as she goes to the door in the intercom. Hello? Who is it? It's Tom. Are you awake? Yes, I'm awake, you idiot. Come on up. She buzzes her in and cracks open the door. Her stagger turns into a rush back to bed, where she pulls the covers over herself again. Dolores steps through the door with the newspaper. Smiling, she saunters to the bedroom. Hi, how's Trick? She drops the paper. Oh, by me. What gets you up so early? Oh, Freddie got jealous last night and broke all my Rudy Valley records. <laughs> she drops a stole and sits. So I threw him out and went to bed early. Sitting up, Mary leaves through the paper. Got a job yet? Nope. Well, ain't it about time you went to work? No hurry. I don't care if I don't work for a month yet. Jim Deneen tried to get in touch with you last week. He did. What did you tell him? Exactly what you told me to. Dolores gets another section of the paper. I wonder what he wanted. How should I know? Say, did I tell you Daisy got canned? No. Uh-huh. She considers... Nope. Nothing there. The Marines have landed and the situation is well in hand. 
Well, listen to this. The forthcoming marriage of Miss Ellen Robinson to Mr. James Deneen has been called off by mutual consent. Where, Dolores? Let me see. Where? Oh, it isn't in the paper. But it's liable to be any minute now. Or I've been listening in over that switchboard in vain. Dolores! Mary! <laughs> they hug. Ain't that <laughs> Later, another woman finishes checking her makeup by Jim's desk. Mr. Dunneen, are we going to work again tonight? These late hours are just ruining my boyfriend's evening. Yes, tonight and every night until I find the secretary who's satisfactory. Have you got the answers to those want ads? Yes, here they are. Oh. She hands him resumes. And he looks through them. Oh, this sounds possible. For three years, secretary to the president of a pulp and paper concern. Best of references. How this was Helen Clark. I'm going to see you this afternoon. Yes, sir. She puts the resume and other files in a tray, which she takes out of his office. Later, Jim answers his intercom. Yeah? Helen Clark, by appointment. Send her in. He goes back to his files. In fashionable clothes, hat, and dark lipstick, Mary walks in and closes the door. Mr. Dunning? He looks up and stands. I'm Helen Clark. Oh, yes, Miss Clark. Won't you sit down? Triumphantly, she crosses the room. Thank you. And they sit. She crosses her legs. Confused, he leans back and glances at those legs. I, uh, I see you've had office experience. Yes, I left my last employer because he got engaged. Staring at her, he puts down a resume. Mary, then take off those clothes and be yourself. She stands. Darlene, do you always ask girls to disrobe in your office? No, I didn't mean that. You know I didn't. I mean, take off your coat. We've got work to do. But I get $100 a week now. All right, Mary, of course $100 is all right. Stop joking. I've got just three days to get affairs in shape so I can beat it up north and cover next year's supply. She smirks. What, what are you standing there like that for? Oh, Mary, please, I need you. Don't turn me down now. Grab a notebook and get to work. Biting her lip, she heads out of the office, and he picks up the phone. Colvin, don't ring me no matter who it is. You stay at that switchboard where you take any calls that come in till I tell you you can go. I'm going to do a day's work. He hangs up, and she returns without her fancy coat. Come on, Jim. Uh, take a look of the Stockholm crowd. She sits with her notebook as he paces. Uh, after due consideration of your proposition, I have decided to... Later, Dolores is woken up at the switchboard. She fumbles to put on her headset and make a connection. Ready and company. Oh, Freddy. I've been waiting for hours for that big stiff to let me go home. He's still dictating. Shut up, Freddy. Freddy, will you please shut up? She looks at a note left for her and reads. Shut up till I get my heart beating properly. Why do you think? He ain't dictating. 
He's through dictating. He's gone over to Jersey City to marry Mary Linden. Oh, ain't that grand? The End. Described for Movies for the Blind. And that was Behind Office Doors. Mary Astor's last role was in Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte with old friend Betty Davis in 1964. Content with that, she retired after 45 years and 109 movies. She's credited with a saying that's applied to many actors over the years about the five stages of an actor's life. Who's Mary Astor? Get me Mary Astor. Get me a Mary Astor type. Get me a young Mary Astor. And who's Mary Astor? Weirdly, we go from behind office doors to behind other stuff. Actually, the title is a reference to what used to mark the front of a police station. Hey, Sam Carson's first kind of step on the sidewalk in front of the station. That's the name of the game, Jim. Yeah, it was mixed up in politics, wasn't it? He was mixed up on everything. He's been asking for something like this for a long time. Everybody's going to be taking pot shots at the administration over this little deal, and the Express is its only friend. That girl couldn't be mixed up in this case. I had an appointment with him in his apartment. The daughter of Luther Bradley, the reform candidate for mayor. Boy, what the Express will do with this. I'm not letting that tabloid of yours spare that girl's reputation so you can stop Luther Bradley on Tuesday. Well, the public has the right to know the facts. Express Princeton. Yeah. Anything for a nickel. <laughs> you sound as if you want to believe I killed Walter Bard. Your prints are on the gun. You have motive. Plenty of it. What do you expect me to believe? Then we've got to get rid of the body. Get it out of here, fast, tonight. Before the inquest, I can't. You can and you're going to. He was my husband, and even though he's dead... Nora. I'm going to say it, Arthur. He was mean and cruel. He liked to hurt people. He did it deliberately. I realize the pressure you're under, Lieutenant. Max Calvert could do a lot to help you if you could learn to do things his way. Leave Calvert out of this. I'm a policeman, not a politician. I'm glad. I've always liked policemen. That's Behind Green Lights in two weeks on Movies for the Blind. For more information and links about the movies, about description, and how to subscribe, go to the blog, moviesfortheblind.com, where you can also find out about this podcast Creative Commons license. And those movies are from the Internet Archive. So please support universal access to human knowledge by visiting and donating at archive.org. Thank you for downloading and for listening. Be back in two weeks. Take care. Take care.